Regular listener, why not check out our YouTube channel for more Arsenal and general football content? Over there, you can sign up to a Chronicles of Aguna membership, gain access to our exclusive members-only content, as well as our private Discord server. But above all, you'll be supporting me to bring you more content and continue what's been an amazing journey covering the Arsenal so far. Enjoy the show. It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be talking a bit more about some transfer speculation uh, that is doing the rounds this afternoon. And as well as that, we're going to be discussing the situation involving Gabriel Martinelli and Mikel Arteta's recent comments with regards to the Brazilian. Big talking point, the Brazilian at the moment. Many people asking the question as to why he isn't getting the game time that many feel he deserves. So we'll be discussing that. We'll be touching on that as well. Hope you're all well. Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat. And of course, a big hello uh, to everybody watching us um, later on on a replay or listening to this back via the audio platforms. Um, (laughs) Banos says... That intro scared the shit out of me. Was it too loud? <laughs> T-Talk says, hope you're doing good, Harry. All good, mate. Anthony Williams says, I'm here for Martinelli. Don't worry, we will get to Gabriel Martinelli. There's lots and lots uh, to discuss, as always, when it comes to the Arsenal. And I'd love to hear from you guys in the live chat as well. Big hello to Syed, to Asa, uh, to Tawana, and of course, to Zanda. Hope you're all well. Right, let's uh, kick off uh, by discussing the reports uh, regarding Ashraf Hakimi. Now, this is an interesting one because there's been a lot of talk about Hector Bayerin potentially moving on this summer. There's been discussions um, about the fact that maybe he and Mikel Arteta had come to some kind of agreement uh, during last summer, which allows him to potentially move on this summer without the club stopping it. Um, you know, it feels like Arsenal... Going for a rebuild at the moment could probably do with the finance um, that, you know, settling somebody like Hector Bellerin at his age with his kind of reputation would would really help us raise. And, um, you know, I, I do I really want to see Hector Bellerin go? Me personally, if he goes, I, I won't lose any sleep over it. Um, You guys will know that I've defended him at times on this channel because at times I felt that he's received criticism that probably was unfair, was over the top and criticism that's come off the back of um, other issues. You know, people sort of getting irritated by other things that Hector Bellerin does, maybe not necessarily on the football pitch, but away from the football pitch and using that as a kind of uh, stick to beat him with. Look, I'm cool with Hector Bellerin being sold because I recognise that although I don't think he's the worst player in the world, I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as some Arsenal fans would have you believe. I do understand 
that um, Arsenal will need to raise money this summer, you know, this summer more than ever, uh, if we're going to continue this rebuild under Mikel Arteta. And let's be honest, you know, whatever your thoughts are on Mikel Arteta's tenure so far, whether or not you believe he's a good enough manager, you know, if you're not going to back him, if, if you can't give him the money, if you can't bring in the players that he wants to bring in, then he's set up to fail. He's doomed. And and that would be the case for any Arsenal manager right now because it's clear that there is so much um, that needs to change at the Arsenal. And unfortunately, this day and age, that isn't going to change without some outlay uh, of finance. And, and Arsenal could potentially raise some of that money, as I've said, by selling Hector Bellerin. But the reports coming out today suggesting that Arsenal and Chelsea are both interested in the Inter Milan wing-back Ashraf Hakimi. Um, Of course, Hakimi joined them just last summer from Real Madrid, but there was a lot of speculation around whether Inter could actually afford to pay Real Madrid what they were owed uh, for Hakimi. Now, there's a lot going on behind the scenes at Inter, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but just to give you a brief overview. uh, So Inter's owners, who are the Suning Holdings Group, They've announced that they're shutting down their Super League team, their Chinese Super League team, which is Jiangsu FC. And there's speculation mounting around whether or not they're going to continue to have such a heavy involvement in the Neretsuri. Now, um, Stephen Zhang, who is the chairman at Inter, has repeatedly dismissed uh, rumours of a sale and a takeover. But there are suggestions that in order for things to continue, the club will need to raise significant funds And uh, with several of Antonio Conte's first team players being linked with a move away, I wouldn't be surprised if Hakimi is sold. Now, you know, I think that 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 Inter, unless a a really attractive offer comes across the table, will do their best to keep hold of Hakimi. You know, they've been they've been waiting to win a Scudetto for for more than a decade. And it feels as though they will achieve that this season. Under Antonio Conte, credit to him. He's done a fantastic job there. Hakimi's been key. But the reality at Inter is, financially, if their owners are in a bit of hot water, then you could see uh, sales being sanctioned in the summer that maybe the fans don't want to see, maybe the Antonio Conte doesn't want to see. And look, Antonio Conte is not someone to stick around and put up with shit that he doesn't agree with. You know, he is he is someone who, if his best players are sold, he will get up and he'll walk away. But ultimately, as much as Antonio Conte has power and influence at Inter, he's not in charge of the football club and he cannot block a sale of someone like Ashraf Hakimi. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the player. You know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, where, where Inter stand and why they may be open to selling the player, despite having signed him as recently as last summer um, for around about 34 million. I think that if somebody came and plonked an offer on the table of around about that same amount, I think they'd be tempted to do the deal. Um, you know, as I keep saying, Hector Bellerin is, uh, is he's heavily linked with a move away. He's been linked with a move to Barca. Of course, Joan Laporta, huge admirer of Hector Bellerin, has just won the presidential election at the Camp Nou. Paris Saint-Germain have also been linked. Um, but, you know, that if we were to move Bellerin on, I don't think we'd get 30, 35 million pound. I don't think we'd raise all the money that Inter would probably be looking for for Ashraf Hakimi. But would he be an upgrade? I'd probably say he would be. Um, 
you know, he's he's extremely talented, extremely technical, extremely quick, extremely fit um, and extremely effective. He essentially carries Inter's right-hand side all by himself at the moment. The one reservation I would have about Ashraf Hakimi is the defensive side of his game. And, you know, as a, as a right back, that would be a problem, wouldn't it? But the interesting thing to note or the important thing to note when you're talking about Hakimi is that he currently plays in a back five. Um, interplay with three central defenders and most of Hakimi's work is done further forward. It's done further up the pitch. And so perhaps those potential flaws that he may have uh, don't get exposed as much as they maybe would if he was asked to play in a traditional back four. At Dortmund, he played as part of a back five as well. There was three centre-backs. He was playing on the right-hand side. So it's... it's um. It's a question of whether Ashraf Hakimi fits into this system. And that's the question uh, that Mikel Arteta and Arsenal will need to ask themselves if they are considering launching a bid um, for Hakimi. Look, if Arsenal can get 25 million odd for Hector Bayerin and they need to just put 10 million on top to get Ashraf Hakimi, it would sound like a really good deal and it would feel like an upgrade and a, a smart piece of business. But I would urge you that to consider whether Ashraf Hakimi, and I'm sure Mikel Arteta would, you know, to consider whether Hakimi is the man to come into a back four. Because Mikel Arteta has hung his hat on that formation now. He's hung his hat on that system. And um, as good as Hakimi is, as explosive as he is, as quick as he is, as strong as he is, as technically gifted as he is, I'm not sure he's a right back. I think he's a right wing back. And don't, look, there's a massive difference. You know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles proved that. You know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a right wing back can do a job. He could even do a job as a left wing back. But the minute you asked him to play as a traditional fullback, he come unstuck, he come undone. And I know there'll be arguments that Maitland-Niles is obviously, um, you know, a midfielder by trade. And that's why it was harder for him maybe to make that adaptation than it would be for someone moving from right wing back to right back. But it still is a transition. It still is a difference. Um, and I think we need to we need to take that into consideration. So those are the reports doing the rounds that Arsenal have been alerted uh, to Ashraf Hakimi's potential availability this summer. Inter could be forced to sell due to their financial situation. And of course, Arsenal, uh, we think, are probably going to try and move Hector Bellerin on this summer as well. So that could potentially raise funds, which could in turn open the doors for Ashraf Hakimi to come to the Emirates Stadium. Let me know what you think. Uh, in the live chat before uh, we move on. I'd love to know your thoughts on Hakimi. Is he someone that you'd love to see at the Arsenal? Let's say a big hello to some more of you in the chat, to Pratik, uh, to Morteza. Um, good morning to Michael Grayson, who's watching us from the USA. Morteza says, great to catch you live, Harry. Thank you all so much. Uh, good afternoon to Cyril and to everybody else uh, in the live chat. Really, um, really... Uh, Appreciate all of you guys' support as always. Um, let's go on to some of your um on your um let's go to some more of your comments. Uh, Cyril says Hector was a good and loyal servant, he served us well. Um Banos says, keep watching the YouTube ads on Arsenal videos for us to afford a player this summer. It's a good idea. Um you can keep watching the ones on this as well if you want. And then maybe I'll be able to make a contribution to the Arsenal on behalf of the Chronicles of Aguna. Um Xander says, I would look at Hakimi's fellow Moroccan, Masrawi, as a more affordable option with one year remaining on his contract 
after this season. Interesting. Uh, Marshall says Hakimi will be overpriced. Yo-Yo says Hakimi looks best in a back five. He'll need a lot of coaching. I agree with that. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Yo-Yo also points out that Inter and Juve posted heavy losses compared to the Arsenal. Yeah, um, another really interesting point. Um, Pat Moyle says, it's been obvious for some time that opposition teams see the right side of our defence as a weak link. That is due to Bellerin. If he is sold, I wish him all the best, but it is his time. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel the same way. You know, as I said, I... I defend him sometimes because I feel like some of the stick he gets is not is not warranted. But I also acknowledge that there are better right backs in the world, and I also acknowledge that he's not irreplaceable. Mikel Arteta clearly values his leadership as well as what he does on the pitch. Um, Mikel Arteta um, and and Hector Bellerin were instrumental in the negotiations between the club and the players when they were asked to take a pay cut right at the height of the pandemic. So um, his influence off the field shouldn't be underestimated. Uh, you know, obviously, from a purely footballing perspective as fans, that doesn't make him any better. That doesn't, you know, it doesn't change what some people's opinions are of, of his ability on the field. But for me, um, that is valued within the club. And that's why there's probably a reluctance to let him go last summer when a bid came in and, and he allegedly made it clear that he was uh, considering going. Uh, Lee Lofferen says, would you be happy with Bellerin to leave if we got 25 million and just stuck with Cedric and Chambers as our right backs or would you need a replacement? I think our fullbacks are so important to the way we play that I'd probably want to see one come in. I'd be OK with Cedric playing. Um, I think Cedric has shown some really positive signs since coming into the team of late. You know, you could say what you want. There were a lot of people that were disappointed in that signing when it was made. But ultimately, Cedric has been a really good server, not just at right back, but at left back as well when he's been asked to cover there. I like Callum Chambers, but I'm still not convinced that Callum Chambers is a fullback. I still look look at him and feel like he's a little bit awkward there. Um, and for me, I would trust Callum Chambers with the defensive side of the job. But as I keep saying, it's, it's so important um, that our fullbacks contribute to to what we're doing in an attacking sense. And I just look at Callum Chambers and find him a little bit awkward and maybe not necessarily technically gifted enough or techni as technically gifted as I'd like um, for a right back in this Arsenal side. So I think we'd need to go and bring one in. Whether Mikel would settle with Cedric as the first choice and looked at a potential fringe player coming in to save some money, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, in an ideal world, of course, I'd love a, a love a replacement. Mark Green says, as soon as Bellerin said Alexis wants to win too much, he should have been sold. Uh, Jay Dubia says, I'd happily have Cedric as the right back. He works well with Pepe. Fact. Um, Michael Grayson says, we definitely need a starting right back. Uh, let's pick up a few more of your comments. Loads coming through. Um just uh, trying not to miss, trying to get as many as I can. Ace C says, Trent is a terrible defender, but world-class in the final third. Tierney and Hakimi down the wings would be deadly. You've got to have the right structure around them, though. Um, and that's the key point. You know, you point out that Trent is a terrible defender. I don't think he's a terrible defender, but obviously he's a better attacking outlet than he is a defensive stalwart. Like, that. that's fact. Uh, but... 
You know, that's because Liverpool's midfield and the way they set up and the way they press and win the ball usually quite high up the field, or at least when they're on song, maybe not lately. But that's why they can be so adventurous in those fullback positions. And, you know, at Arsenal, I think that we're very lopsided. I've spoken about it before. I think that the left back at Arsenal, Kieran Tierney, is given a lot more license to get forward than the right back. I feel like the right back at times is asked to tuck in um, and either form part of a back three when the left back bombs on or step into the midfield and create an extra body uh, in which we can use to 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 play the ball forward and pass around people. I think that that's something that Hector Bellerin is instructed to do by Mikel Arteta. I think it's something that Hector Bellerin actually gets a lot of stick for doing. And the reality is it's a manager's instruction. Um, so it's all, you know, systems are key and, and the way you want to play obviously determines who is and who isn't a good option uh, in those positions. Uh We'll talk about Martinelli in a second because I can see um, loads of you kind of bringing that up already. Big hello to uh, DZ Aviator. I hope you're well. Uh, Yassir Ahmed says, uh, even Harry, I would love Hakimi at Arsenal. Uh, David S says, I like Hakimi, but he's not good defensively. We'll prefer Mukiele from Leipzig. Might get a good look at him in the Champions League this week. Uh, Junior Gunner says, Harry, mate, why would Hakimi in any realm want to leave Inter for Arsenal? A better squad, better chances in Europe, better manager and overall better playing experience because ultimately, mate, Inter may have no choice but to start cashing in. And look, don't be fooled, right? This talks, money talks and Arsenal, for all their troubles, could probably still offer Ashraf Hakimi more money then he's on an Inter. And that might sound like a stupid statement, but the, the the Premier League financially is on a different planet to Serie A. And we've just talked about, well, we talked about it a little bit earlier on, about the financial difficulties that they seem to be experiencing, the fact that there is a lot of uncertainty at the club around, um, you know, whether they're going to step back, whether they're going to give up part of their ownership then you've got to take into account Antonio Conte, who at the best of times has been a very volatile character and could easily say, after winning the Scudetto, if you're going to sell my players, I'm off. I wouldn't put it past Antonio Conte to do that. He's thrown his toys at the pram throughout his career on numerous occasions. Um, you know, said he'd never said he'd never work for the Italian FA, ended up becoming the Italy manager, uh, said he'd never be associated with Inter from his Juventus days, uh, ended up managing Inter and desperately trying to get one over Juventus now, involved in wars of words, wasn't he, in the recent game between the two clubs. So there's a lot um, there's a lot going on at Inter and there's a lot of politics at Inter that could lead to Hakimi really having no choice uh, in the matter. And that's kind of um, that's kind of the route I'm going down with this. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Saqib says, who would be your choice to replace Bellerin? Name more than one if you wish. It's really difficult. I get asked these questions a lot. Who would I have to come and play in, in what position? Um, it's really difficult to know. Um, you know, it's really difficult. There's been a lot of talk about Max Aaron's. I'm not against taking a bit of a punt on Max Aaron's, but what's the asking price going to be? And is it something that is within Arsenal's reach? Um, 
I like Hakimi. I'd like to see Hakimi come in. But similarly to the way Granite Xhaka protects on the left-hand side, when Kieran Tierney goes forward, you'd need something equivalent on the right because Ashraf Hakimi will get up and down the pitch. He will get forward. You know, that's what he does. That's that's his instinct. That's the way he plays. It's head down and down the flank he goes. Um, and he's contributed with not just goals, but assists this season for Inter as well. Difficult to say, Saqib, but I've got a video dropping tomorrow um, in which I talk about Hector Bellerin in great detail. And I do name a couple of players uh, that I will um, that I would like to see come in. So I'm going to save that one and you can catch it on tomorrow's members video. Uh, what else have we got here? Loads and loads of uh, comments. I'm going to have to. Uh, skip through a couple of them just in case I well I miss I'm going to miss them unfortunately but big hello to Liam Bees is coming in a little late on my lunch break here in the states love to everyone watching us uh, from overseas uh, of course uh, Ashton says not a big fan of Bellerin but he's a great ambassador for Arsenal and actually cares about the club Xander says smash the like button only takes a second and doesn't cost a thing yes let's see where we're at on the likes um Let's have a look. Currently, we've got over 150 of you watching us on YouTube alone. So where are we at in terms of likes? We are currently on 42 likes. Come on, guys. We can surely get that up to 100. Uh, it should be light work. Just smash the like button. Doesn't cost a thing. Quick reminder as well, if you're interested in becoming a member of the channel, supporting me to bring you more content, giving you access to our members only content, as well as our private Discord server and a variety of other benefits, then click the link in the description. There are free tiers of membership available and I'd love to have you guys on board. Uh, we're approaching a really big milestone in terms of our members. So looking forward to reaching that and then we'll have a little bit of a celebration and uh, give away a couple of bits and pieces for you guys. Um, right, let's uh, continue uh, further down the chat. We're going to talk about Gabriel Martinelli in a minute. Um, but let's pick up a couple more uh, of your comments. Uh, Gaming says, why the F would he leave Inter for a team or not even confirm Europa League? Politics won't affect anything on the pitch. Disagree. Um, we've seen politics at clubs lead to players leaving clubs. You know, we've we've seen players um, be unhappy. And and as I said, you know, you a lot of people talk about the, the quality of the manager at Inter and the fact that they'll be competing for this and competing for that. If they have to sell a number of first team players in the summer and Antonio Conte, which is not impossible, throws his toys out the pram and walks out, then uh, things will look very different at Inter going forward, I can tell you. Big hello to uh, Jess from She Knows Arsenal. If you haven't already, make sure you head over to Jess's channel. If you click on her name there in the comments, it should take you directly there. Uh, so make sure you check out the She Knows Arsenal uh, podcast. Jess was on the show a couple of weeks back. We had a really good chat. Um, I think it was ahead of the Benfica game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Uh, make sure you give her some support because her content is fantastic. She says, this all depends on how Arteta envisions the right-back position moving forward. Does he want a Cancelo or a Hakimi? Two different profiles, but both effective. Completely agree. And it's why I was talking about uh, a little bit earlier on about the fact that Mikel Arteta would need to decide on... Does he want a right back? Does he want a right wing back 
what does that position look like in our system? Is he wanting someone who is going to bomb down the flank on the outside like Ashraf Hakimi does time and time again for Inter? Or is he more interested in somebody like João Cancelo, who does a very different role at Manchester City and steps into the midfield whilst they're th- the remainder of their back three spread across the pitch and alter the system when they are in possession? So tactically, um, it's a lot more complex than us fans uh, would care to admit at times. But yeah, um, it all depends on uh, on uh, what, what Mikel Arteta is after. Really, I uh, completely agree with that. Really good comment. Uh, Carrie, one of our members, says, uh, would you take Carl Walker to replace Bayerin if it was possible? Um, I like Carl Walker. You know, um, he's he's done he's done really well, obviously, since joining Manchester City. You got to question why. You know, you got to question at this age whether Carl Walker is someone that you'd want to take a punt on. You know, it's going to be very difficult to match what he's being paid at Manchester City. You're talking about someone who's 30 years old, whose career has been built off the fact that he does or did have a really explosive engine and was really uh, mobile, and and that often got him out of trouble. I actually think that Carl Walker as he gets into the latter years of his career, will probably be better off playing as a right centre-back in a three-man defence. I genuinely believe that. Um, Pep Guardiola currently obviously feels that Xiao Cancelo is more suited to stepping into that midfield as he likes his right-back to do. And and Cancelo's form's been excellent. You can understand why he's playing. Uh, but um, I'm not sure on Kyle Walker, just because I don't know if we'd if it would be a classic case of Arsenal going and signing an over 30 from a fellow Premier League club, a player who's just not cutting it there anymore. And it feel like it would feel a bit like we're picking up another reject. Um, as I say, the finances that would have to be involved to get Carl Walker to come as well, I think would be crazy. And uh, something that Arsenal will probably be reluctant to do. Um, before I move on to the Martinelli stuff, I've seen this question come in a few times from Liam, so I'm going to address it. He says, any future for Odegaard at the Emirates? Um, I think there is. I think there is potentially a future for Martin Odegaard at the Emirates Stadium. I think that Real Madrid, contrary to the fact that they played hardball when we were doing the loan deal and they didn't want to include any clauses, I actually think that Real Madrid will, will probably be looking to cash in on him in the summer. Um, I hope that their asking price is something that Arsenal feel that they can achieve. I think it will be Odegaard or Ceballos, uh, one or the other. Of course, both of them on loan at the moment. You know, Ceballos has already been on loan for a season prior and Real Madrid have made it clear that they will not allow that to happen for a third season. So I think the the kind of the writing's on the wall for him. Um, But then it comes up, it, it comes down to a decision from Mikel Arteta as to which of the two he feels is most valuable. And I would probably argue that Martin Odegaard is. Uh, you know, Ceballos is not even a starter in this Arsenal team. He doesn't value him or rate him any higher than he rates Granit Xhaka right now. Um, and that that says quite a bit, doesn't it? I just think Odegaard has shown glimpses of some real quality, some real class. I think with time, he's only going to get better and better. I'm kind of you're almost torn on this one because on the one hand, you want him to really perform and set the Premier League on fire. But on the other hand, you worry that the better he plays, the more Real Madrid would demand for him. And that will subsequently reduce our chances 
of landing him on a permanent deal in the summer. So there's lots and lots to, you know, to to consider on this one. There's a lot of football still to be played. Uh, you know, if Arsenal somehow managed to sneak into the UEFA Champions League, whether that be via the, um, well, it's not going to be via the Premier League, but whether that be via the Europa League or whatever, uh, you feel like a, a financial injection like that could be the difference between keeping someone like Martin Odegaard and not keeping him. Um, in terms of the player, I think Mikel Arteta really likes him. I think engage that from all the interviews, all the press conferences that he gives. I think the player settled in relatively well. I still think there's more to come from the Norwegian, but I think he's done okay so far. And uh, if it were up to me and it was possible to make it happen, I probably would try and do it. Um, right, let's let's move on to the Gabriel Martinelli stuff and then we'll come back to questions uh, in the live chat. So make sure uh, that you hold fire on those questions and when I ask uh, that you drop them in uh, to the chat box and I'll pick up as many of those as I possibly can. Right, let's talk about this uh, this Martinelli thing and you know, there's been a lot of discussion around Gabriel Martinelli and the fact that he's not playing football at the moment. Um, I want to hear you guys' thoughts in the chat. So get them in. Uh, any Martinelli-related questions, chuck those in as well and we'll cover them off during this segment. But for me, I suppose Mikel Arteta is in a really difficult position at the moment, OK? Because he's got this this young talent who suffered a really difficult injury, an injury that had the potential to, you know, really stunt his development. He's battled back from it. He's fought back from it. And I actually feel that he was thrown back into the side um, around Christmas somewhat prematurely out of a bit of desperation from Mikel Arteta because the results were in the gutter. The, the pressure on the manager was increasing with every passing week. There was no creative spark. There was no tenacity. There was no intensity in the final third. And they, those are all things that you would associate with Gabriel Martinelli. He brought him back into the team. He suffered a minor setback. He's back now. But since he's returned, the game time just hasn't been there for him. Now, I'm aware from what I've, I've been told that there is... Um, and you guys will know I rarely, I rarely sit here and say, "Oh yeah, I, I know this" or "I heard this" or whatever. So I'll only say it if I, if I believe it to be true, and if I have it on good authority, and I have on, it on good authority that Mikel Arteta wants Gabriel Martinelli to tweak his game and play as a centre forward rather than a left winger. That is where Mikel Arteta sees Gabriel Martinelli's future. Now I'm also told that there's a little bit of a disconnect between the two in that because Gabriel Martinelli, although not against playing as a centre-forward, is a little bit reluctant to do so because he, in his heart of hearts, feels that he is a more effective player when playing from the left-hand side. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And obviously with Alex Lacazette's future up in the air at the moment, and there's been talk around whether or not he will stay at the club for another season or if Arsenal will try to cash in on him, then you've got the speculation around Balogun, you know, will he go, will he stay? Eddie and Ketia for me is just simply not good enough. And so you come into a situation where we probably need a striker in the summer. Can Gabriel Martinelli be that solution? If he is to be that solution, he's going to need to do a lot of work on the training ground, around positioning, around the role that that, that is and, and what it entails, because it's very different, obviously, to playing as a left winger. 
Um, but there's also a, a real concern at the club, within the club, about the players' fitness and about the possibility or the prospect of him potentially breaking down again with a knee injury. Now, knee injuries are tough to recover from. Anything ACL, sort of ligament related, is very difficult to recover from, especially in the knee area. And I think that the primary objective or the primary, um, you know, the, the primary... Basically, the, the priority should be right now between the day that Martinelli came back and the end of the season should have been to make sure that he's OK and to make sure that we nurse him through this difficult period and we get him as fit and as sharp as possible with a view to playing a major part next season. That's how I saw it. Um, I think it's become increasingly difficult in recent weeks for Mikel to just throw him in. Why? Because... Pepe's improved because Willian's improved. And so what right does Gabriel Martinelli have to come waltz into the team ahead of those two when they've actually been playing quite well? And you've got Saka and you've got Aubameyang and you've got Lacazette and you've got Smith-Rowe and you've got Erdogan. It's not that easy to find a spot for Gabriel Martinelli in this starting eleven when other people are starting to perform. They're finally starting to click. And then what, you're going to just take him out the side and bin him off for someone who as great as I think he could be, it's all potential at the moment, right? When it comes to potential, my famous old line, I say it over and over again, potential unfulfilled means absolutely nothing. And Martinelli has shown that he can play at this level. He's shown it in in times gone by, but we don't know if he will go on to, to fulfill that potential that we think he has. Um, you know, it's maybe it's a little bit strange as, as Omar points out in the comments that he doesn't get thrown on as a substitute. I can understand why people raise that point, but I just want to share with you what Mikel Arteta's had to say about it recently. And I, and I think these comments are probably spot on when talking about the front line. He says, um, everybody has raised the level in recent weeks since Christmas. The front players have given us something different. Everybody has to step up in games and create big moments because the front players at the end have to be the ones who decide it for us. He needs to keep working and make things difficult for us. He's a player who's going to give us a lot, but he needs some time and we need to find the right games for him, the right connections with him on the pitch to do what he can do best. The way he is and the way he trains every day, he's going to be a really important player for us. When you have many options, sometimes it's difficult when you look for certain qualities in certain games. So Mikel Arteta alluding to the fact that it has been difficult for him to pick the side. It has been difficult for him to move some of these players out of the way to bring Gabriel Martinelli in just at the time when they themselves are starting to show something, are starting to come good. So I completely get where Mikel Arteta is coming from. It's not easy um, to bring him back in. But what I also take from those comments, reading between in the lines, when he says he needs more time, is that he probably doesn't believe that Gabriel Martinelli is quite up to speed um, in terms of his physical condition. And you can't take risks, you know, especially after an injury like the one he had, especially given his young age. You just can't take risks for me. Um, and I wish that the fan base would stop making it out to be this massive conspiracy where Mikel Arteta has this secret dislike for Gabriel Martinelli 
and that's why he doesn't play him. Because for me, that's nonsense. I think he does rate the boy. I think anyone who's anyone and anyone who knows anything about football will have seen Gabriel Martinelli in the past and gone, yeah, we've got a player on our hands. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see how that situation develops. But it's not one that I'm overly worried about at this moment in time. I know a lot of you are, uh, and that's fair enough. But right now, for me, it doesn't strike me as anything more sinister. It strikes me as a situation where we've got a young player who's come back from a long-term injury. There are question marks still about his fitness. And right now, the players ahead of him in the pecking order are performing and therefore it's becoming increasingly difficult because of the number of options we have to just give him game time like that. Um, so, yeah. Let's go over to the uh, the comments uh, section. Uh, Topher says plenty of opportunities to play Martinelli, though. And most of us know he can do a job. He has filled for over before and helped us. It's time to unleash the player. Chambers got his go. Come on, 35. Of course, 35 Martinelli's shirt number. Any more questions that you've got, uh, whether they be about Hakimi, whether they be about Bellerin, whether they be about Martinelli or anything else, Arsenal, football, whatever related, uh, make sure you drop them in the chat now as we move uh, towards the last section of the stream. Uh, Brad Richardson says, Gabby to go on loan next season. I wouldn't send him out. Um, I think he's got plenty to offer. And I don't think he's the type of player that would necessarily benefit from going like Ainsley Maitland-Niles has to a team right at the bottom of the league, struggling for survival. He's, he's basically, um, you know, just a passenger in a side that, that can't get the ball down and play football because he was so desperate to play in midfield. I'd rather Gabby stays with us, if I'm honest. I think he can play a part next season. I think that was always the plan uh, off the back of that injury. The plan was always to get Gabriel Martinelli up to speed for next season. But then, of course, if the same thing continues, then, of course, we can start to ask questions about uh, whether or not there is something deeper there. Uh, Daniel Ortega says, are any of you Bundesliga watchers think Nordi Mukiele? Could be a good signing at right back. I'll be honest, I'm not a massive Bundesliga fan. Um, be interested to to have a look at him uh, when RB Leipzig play Liverpool in the second leg of their Champions League. Um, you know, uh, the, their Champions League tie. So I'll, I'll keep an eye out. Um, David S says, Harry, do you think Arteta should try playing Pepe in the centre forward role? Um no, because I, I look at the centre-forward role right now and I look at what Lacazette brings and I look at what Aubameyang brings and I feel like we need someone who's in between a bit of both. Um, a potent goal scorer, but also capable of holding the ball up, also an aerial threat, a physical presence. And I'm not sure that Pepe is is those things. Um, so no, I, me personally, I wouldn't do it. Um, I'm not against him drifting in field like he does and, and getting the ball onto that left foot of his but not as a starting centre forward, not for me. But that's just that's just my view, David. Um, love this from Matt G. Um, Harry, I'm not here for rational commentary. I want conspiracy theories and drama. Do you know what? Then I'll give you just that. Basically, Mikel Arteta um, went home and found some text messages on his wife's phone um, from someone trying to charm her. Uh, decided to 
called a number from a private number. Gabriel Martinelli answered it. Um, Mikel Arteta didn't speak, hung up the phone, and now he's giving it all the good talk in the media, but really knows that he was trying it on with his missus and now doesn't want to play him. Good enough conspiracy theory for you. <laughs> um, Carrie Tanninen says, is this season shit for the whole league? It has been a shit season. Um, there's no getting away from that. It's been terrible. Um, it has been terrible in so many ways and for so many different reasons. Um, this is a good question. Does it annoy you that Piers Morgan is an Arsenal fan? Piers Morgan's done a lot of bad things. Piers Morgan's done a lot of things that would make you raise eyebrows, a lot of things that are morally vile. Um, you know, like the the tapping of phones and all the stuff that went on back then is, is completely unacceptable. I started to, to gain a little bit, just a little bit of respect for Piers Morgan when he started holding the government accountable here in the UK for their terrible, terrible handling of the coronavirus crisis and the pandemic. I didn't agree with every single word he said. I didn't agree with the way he went about it necessarily at times. But I like that somebody in a position of, of high profile and a position of influence was asking the challenging questions and was calling out their bullshit, basically. But he's really let himself down again in the last few days with this, uh, you know, the Harry and Meghan interview. If I'm sure you've all seen it. Um, it's bigger news than um, than anything Arsenal related at the moment, unfortunately, which tells you a lot about where we are. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, he's let himself down with some of the comments he's made. Um, he's let himself down with his attitude, with his conduct. You know, he walked off. I don't know if anyone's seen the clip. He, can, he walked off the set this morning um, on his own show, basically, because somebody challenged him. So, look, I, I don't particularly like Piers Morgan. Um, as I say, I think his, his character in some instances, in, on some occasions, is needed because he um, he does challenge people when they're out of line. And sometimes you need someone strong-minded and strong-willed and confident in themselves to be able to do that and make those challenges. But equally, he talks some bullshit. He dismisses... Um, the mental health thing, which I know firsthand is a, um, is not a joke. Um, you know, I've, I've felt like shit during the lockdown and I know how important it is to make sure you take care of yourself in that way. Um, so that's, that's what I mean when I say I've, you know, I know firsthand. So I, I do get irritated when people brush that off and I do get annoyed when people pretend it's nothing. Um, but yeah, He's a controversial character. He divides opinion. He supports Arsenal. Doesn't really bother me that he supports Arsenal because there are some just as big a pricks uh, in the Arsenal world, aren't there? Um, <laughs> you know, we all know that. So um, there are some just as big pricks in the Arsenal supporting world, uh, just as big a pricks as, uh, as um, Piers Morgan. Um, big hello to Berat joining us from Turkey. Um, big hello to Psycho Reg joining us from India. Um, 
Matt G asks a good question. I think a major issue is the weak mentality of some of our players. Are we looking at the right players to sign? Bissouma in a relegation battle, Buendia and Aaron's relegated from the PL. For me, they're not the right players to sign. Um, you know, I've, um, I-, I took quite a bit of stick actually on this channel when I was talking about the fact that Buendia wasn't the man for me, um, that I would have preferred to have gone and got a Julian Brandt when the two were being linked. Didn't end up getting either of them. Uh, but it's not, like, for me, I always have doubts around whether players can make the step up from one level to another. Can you step up from championship level where you're performing to Premier League level? There's always a risk. Um, you know, there's always a risk with that. Then you've got to weigh up whether the price, the transfer fee that you're going to have to pay just it, it, it warrants or justifies that risk. I.e., if you're going to take a punt on someone for £10 million, and there's a 60, 70% chance of it working out, then that's okay. But if you're going to spend 40, 50 million pounds on someone, a 70% chance of it working out is not good enough. And um, and, and that's where I'm at. So, you know, you yeah, you, you know, those players have obviously experienced pressure, but in a very different way. Um and there's a debate to be had around whether that makes them better suited or less suited to join in the Arsenal. But for me, none of those players, when I look at them, those players you've mentioned, Matt, make me go, oh, wow, or make me get off my seat or or make me excited. And I want to be excited by signings. And none of those do that for me, if that makes sense. Uh, big hello to P Cakes Forever, who says, got the time difference worked out, checking into my second live stream from Western Canada. Go Gunners. Welcome, mate. Glad you got that worked out. Going to pick up a couple more comments. But whilst I do that, let me know in the live chat where you guys are tuned in from. I want to give you a shout out before the end of the stream because there's lots of you watching. Also, as Xander points out, there's over 240 of you watching, but there's only 86 likes. Come on, let's get to 150 likes. It's not that difficult. All you got to do is smash the like button. It doesn't cost a penny and um, it is very much appreciated. Also, if you want to become a member of the channel click on the link in the description come and join me come and support me um it is very much appreciated and um it helps me to continue living the dream which is covering the arsenal on a full-time basis so uh yeah please do check that out um gonna pick up this one from Telau. he says harry do you think the twitter culture of rival fans making fun of our results without looking at the bigger picture causes some arsenal fans to melt down and say arteta route when we drop points I think if I think as Arsenal fans at a time like this, you should be able to block out the noise of rival fans. It's not always easy. Um, it's especially difficult, for example, after you've just lost a derby. Uh, but I think that as fans, you've got to be able to do that. It's disappointing when you've got to deal with that kind of uh, stick from your, you know, from your friends and family who maybe support different teams. But that shouldn't cloud people's judgments, in my opinion. The Twitter culture is a mess. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's a horrible place. Arsenal Twitter at times. It could be a wonderful place as well. You know, you've seen so much good come out of it, but there's also a lot of bad that's come out of it as well. Me personally, I try not to allow my my opinion and my view to be influenced by people poking fun at me. Uh, about my team because they're 
they're looking for a wind up you know they're they're looking for a reaction and i don't want to give that reaction um so yeah i get what you're saying but for me um i think you've got to be able to block out that noise right let's give you guys some shout outs uh to wherever it is you're watching us from or listening from carrie joins us from finland liam is in south carolina usa lucas is in sweden stockholm talau is in Saudi Arabia. Matt is in South London. Kaylin is in Norway. Uh, Young Palace is in Florida. Um, Graham is in Stevenage, just not too far from me. Uh, Max is in Montreal. Uh, Daniel is in Connecticut in the USA. Ambrose joins us from Namibia. Uh, Chase joins us from San Diego, California. He says he's a he's a long time listener on Spotify. First time live viewer, and I promised myself I wouldn't be one of those fools who wouldn't like the video. And I forgot. Sorry, Harry. <laughs> Make sure you do it now. Never too late. Uh, big hello to Damian Foster joining us from Trinidad and Tobago, Arsenal to the bone. He says uh, Brad Richardson is in York. Uh, Steve is in Kent. Joey's in North London. Tom is in the Netherlands. F4 freestylers are in Kent. Um, and yeah, brilliant. Love it. Um, thank you all so much for your continued support, for tuning in as always. Um, I look forward to catching up with you guys tomorrow. Don't forget midday. We've got a live show with Costandinos uh, Lianos. That's midday Wednesday if you're listening to this via the audio. Um, very much looking forward to um, to getting his insight on our upcoming opponents, Olympia Goz. Big, big game. So bringing you two bits of content tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll be bringing you uh, a show earlier on in the day on Thursday. And then, of course, the live watch along of the game as well as the post-match reaction and a bit more fallout on Friday. So there's lots of content coming your way over the next 48 hours or so. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you turn those notifications on. And um, yeah, I'll see you soon. Until next time, take care. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.